0: This is Cecile Sebastian and I am the host of It's a Ripple Effect podcast where I feature influencers who are creating a ripple effect with their gifts, wisdom, and life experiences helping people make a lasting change for a more fulfilling life thus help make this world a better place. And today's guest is my friend Alan Wah. We attended level one. Uh, He was assisting for level one of Clarity Breathwork. Alan Moa began studying the shamanic arts in the late 90s under the guidance of Michael Horner for shamanic studies. While volunteering at the bedside of the dying during the height of the AIDS epidemic, Alan started to develop the shamanic skills as a healer. He helped ease the suffering during this critical time of a person's earth walk, assisting Why over it? hundreds of people to transition without fear and anxiety into their next manifestation. He volunteered with the Zen Hospice Project as a bedside caregiver for 20 years. Alan has studied with masters of various indigenous traditions and considers the maestros of the Peruvian rainforests, both human and spiritual, to be his greatest teachers and mentors. He has been studying with both Shipibo and Mestizo traditions since 2005. Alan is a mesa carrier of the Pachakuri Mesa tradition, a powerful shamanic practice developed by his beloved teacher, Don Oscar Miro Quesada. He's a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master, teacher in the Usui lineage, certified clarity breathwork practitioner, a spiritual guide teacher, and internationally respected healer, offering healing workshops and individual sessions in the USA and international. Alan is the founder of the Sacred Valley Healing and Retreat Center, a, premium, a premier spiritual healing retreat sanctuary at Mount Shasta in Northern California. Hi, Alan. Welcome. Thank you for joining me and my podcast. Hello.
1: Thank you for asking
0: me. How are you? You just got back from Peru, right?
1: I did, yeah, about a week ago. Yeah, I was taking a group down
0: there. That's, That's amazing. amazing time. Yeah. So I wanted to um, ask you about shamanic healing. Can you explain what shamanic healing is?
1: Yeah, um, I will try to explain it somewhat briefly. Well, first of all, I'll talk about the word shaman. The word shaman is actually um, a a word that's from the Tungus area of Siberia. So it's specific to that particular area, and it means one who sees. Now, the word shaman is now being used internationally to describe a variety of different um, indigenous practices. So there there is actually no one particular um, explanation for what the word shaman is. But the closest one is that um, the the understanding is that from all traditions, the shaman is somebody, or the shamanic healer is somebody who engages with unseen forces, like spiritual forces, uh, elemental spirits, spirits of uh, the sky, spirits of the earth, spirits of plants, spirits of animals, spirits of ancestors, and uses the guidance or the, the power, the energy, the divine uh power that they are able to channel, uh, you know, with, with uh, particular types of training for the benefit of either themselves, their tribe, individual clients, etc. Um, but shamanic healing now um, is incorporating other traditions, it's, a, it's kind of like a spiritual technology, so we're also incorporating what would be considered non-traditional or non-indigenous practices um, and I, I incorporate a variety of different healing modalities in my, my own personal practice that I found effective that wouldn't actually necessarily be described as shamanic from that uh, literal understanding. So I'm working with forces that aren't necessarily all spiritual forces. Um, and I, I believe that other cultures will uh, agree that it's not necessarily just that uh, you know connection and uh, relationship to the spiritual forces or the unseen realms that are helping. But that is a big part of it.
0: For those who aren't on a spiritual journey and don't understand shamanic healing or, or um, uh, those spirit uh, other realms, can you explain how does one begin to open up their mind into looking into a spiritual journey because I know for me as I mentioned to you I started when um, I got sick of receiving the outcomes that I kept receiving and I knew that there was there has to be something better and so somehow it just led me into a spiritual path starting with Kundalini yoga and then from then on I just started opening up my mind into other healing modalities so can you explain how does one normally start the journey
1: yeah well actually that's uh, the term that you use opening up your mind is a big part of it because the mind or the imagination more more accurately is what creates our reality so we, we imagine our reality into being and our reality is very much affected by the way that we perceive the world to be around us and by our experiences we've had in the world so for example uh, a lot of the, the way that we view our world is because of um, conditioning, because of uh, teachings that we receive from our primary teachers who are are our parents, that we view the world often as they have viewed the world, and we view the world as we've experienced um, as as a young child, and we've developed our imagination based on that. And so even if you don't believe in spirituality, you can't deny the fact that you have imagination. And opening your mind or opening your imagination, which is actually a full-bodied experience, you can actually allow yourself to change a reality that, that doesn't work for you you know if, if you if you're depressed if you're anxious if you're you have particular uh, health conditions or chronic conditions that don't seem to have a originating cause a lot of it, a lot of that is actually due to the fact that you're emotionally responding to a condition or a trigger that uh, you you know you're imagining the world is unsafe you're imagining that you're not good enough that you, know, you don't have confidence you can reimagine that to uh, to create a world, you know, that you can dream into being, that a world beyond your wildest imagination. So it's actually the shamanic process is, is one where you can use the your imagination to create a different reality for yourself, because it's your imagination that created the reality for you that, that isn't working. Um, and That's why I use hypnotherapy, because hypnotherapy is also very much about working with the imagination, and it's. Uh, the imagination is actually the, uh, the way that the subconscious engages or communicates with the conscious mind. And if you can access the subconscious mind and, and reinform uh, the way it perceives its reality, then it's communicating a different message to the conscious mind, and therefore you can start acting and believing the world is, to be a, is a different, healthier, loving place.
0: So I know I sent you a list of questions normally for my podcast, but I really would like to educate my my friends on what I've been doing. And so, as you said, it's, it's changing our perception of the reality. And for me, it's more about from fear-based thinking to more of choosing love, where it's all about evolving and, and not be in suffering, where it doesn't have to be uh, a life of pain and suffering, it can be much more effortless and that we are guided and supported. So what is the best way to explain that where it's, it's more easily understood by the people that aren't on this journey yet? Yeah, well,
1: I'll, I'll speak to it, uh, that question from the shamanic viewpoint. So I'll, I'll explain a little bit of, about what the shamanic view of sickness is. First of all, so there's three causes of sickness according to the shamanic belief system. The first one, uh, the primary one, is actually what's known as soul loss. And Freud, I think he described it as, as uh, psychic uh, disassociation. And so soul loss is where you've had a trauma in your, in your life, usually your early life, uh, where part of your soul actually fragments because it doesn't feel safe. So what happens is you, you start to believe that the world isn't safe because you've had this traumatic experience, and it could be because you know you experienced something uh, that disturbed you or that's horrific, or maybe you were in a house that was a household that was abusive or there was anger or something like that. So part of you actually didn't want to be there. So it actually it fragments, and from the shamanic viewpoint, that is soul loss. And then what happens when you have soul loss is you actually lose power. So you, you lose a lot of your personal power, and when you lose your personal power, then you, other sort of thought systems start to enter your, uh, your framework or your imagination or your consciousness. And so you start to believe that the world is not safe. You start, you start to believe that you're uh, not loved or that you're invaluable or that you'll never um, be you know, able to pass exams or whatever it is. You start to believe things because you lose your you lose your power and you, you start to get into relationships uh, um, supportive of your belief that you're not powerful, so you're getting into relationships that also may be abusive that you don't feel safe in. And then the third one is where because you've lost some of your power, there's a um, an opening or a vacuum that needs to be filled, and that's filled by some other energetic influence. Some people see that as a spiritual entity of some type. I tend to believe uh, that it's just actually another energy that isn't innately yours. And so it feels different, you feel out of balance. And so what you have to do is you have to remedy those things, you have to do an, ex- what's known as an extraction, you have to take out that um, dense energy that is negatively affecting you. And then you need to bring your power back, and the way to bring your power back is to engage with spiritual forces, or work you know, in, in different ways with the mind, with the imagination and then bringing back, ultimately creating a safe place so that, that soul, those soul parts that left didn't feel safe or for different traumatic, because of different traumatic experiences, then you can bring those parts back. And when you bring those back, then a lot of the, the triggers that you experience in your life, because of the traumas, can actually diminish and you can start to work with them on a psycho-spiritual level and, and reimagine uh, a more happy, love-filled environment. Ultimately, you have to learn to love yourself again. That's the primary thing. So a lot of the practices that I teach, uh, helping you to, first of all, identify where those sh- shadow parts of yourself are. Those shadow parts of yourself all have a voice, and those voices are talking to you, saying you're not good enough, saying that the world is not, a, is a, that the world is a scary place, telling you that you're, uh, you know, that you're not loved and you're not, you're not valued. And so you have to reinform the subconscious mind. That actually those things aren't true. This is just, uh, you know, belief systems that were allowed to develop because you weren't fully in your power. And so when you have your power back, then you can reinform your subconscious mind that those things actually were not true and that you are, you are loved. And The only thing that's preventing you from feeling that love is yourself. And so to learn practices, to learn to love yourself. And these, these are very non-indigenous shamanic techniques, but they're ones that uh, I found to be very effective in the West.
0: I so resonate with not gaining your personal power. I've been in the personal development um, arena since 2014, uh, starting my journey going to uh, Tony Robbins, doing the firewalk. But what I found for myself, I can only speak from my own experience, is that it wasn't creating lasting impact where I would still... um, affected by not having self-belief, despite reading all the books, despite going to so many events for days, um, immersing myself in these um, amazing uh, motivational speakers and coaches, and I spent a lot of money doing that, but for myself, it just wasn't creating the outcomes that I want, because working in Las Vegas, I see what money and materials and it's a lot of illusions. It wasn't really what I wanted to do in, in terms of chasing success with regards to money and fame. It wasn't, it's not all about that. So what I find is when I got into the spiritual journey, it was all about actually really the truth is self-love and really getting in touch with our soul. And so, um, so I wanted to, talk about integration because I have done a lot of other healing modalities like plant medicine and I find that integration, I need that support. Because after the ceremony, without that support, I talked to you about that uh, while we were at Heartwood, was really devastating because I didn't know what to do. So can you explain, actually it's what you're specialized in is the integration after um, a deep dive in healing.
1: Yeah, I and mean, yeah, there's definitely multiple uh, answers to some of the, your points. Uh, but in terms of directly answering to the integration process, there are, there are a variety of different things that, that can be done, and it's almost like a, a formulaic thing. One, one of the most important things when you're on a spiritual journey to, you know, to your personal power, to self love, to connecting to your own divine, innate divine. Uh, Self, we all we all are, we all and we all are divine beings, and we're, you know, we're um, part of the source, source energy, we're, and we're created as perfect manifestations of that. And it's very hard for us to really connect with with that perfection within ourselves. and uh, really engaging in a a big sense of community. And that's something we've lost in the West. A lot of the time, you know, we live in our own little houses, or big houses for that matter. And, um, you know, we don't have that that sense of family, that sense of community. So the the primary one is actually redeveloping that, regaining that sense of spiritual community or the sense of tribe. And so if you're on a spiritual path, um, it's very hard to do that on your own. Very, very hard to develop a spiritual practice on your own. And those yogis that meditate in, in caves in the Himalayas—they're very advanced beings. They've had a lot of uh, many many lifetimes of spiritual practice to support that work. And they had their um, their monastery or their convent or whatever it is—a spiritual community. They're praying for them and supporting them in, in that work in the in the in the cave. You know. And so we need to develop that. So a lot of uh, the integration process that I recommend is actually you find a spiritual community if you don't have one already. And even though you, have, uh, you know, you may feel sure something you're, you're just doing to benefit your spiritual path and don't necessarily feel a really deep personal connection with people uh, initially, it doesn't matter. You're all practicing. You're all trying to better your life. You're all trying to learn how to love yourself. So that's the primary one is actually for me, uh, I found it very helpful myself. I had a, a Buddhist, Sanga or spiritual community uh, that I practiced with for a long time, and I I believe that without them I wouldn't have advanced or developed the level of self awareness um, through the practices that we did together, or the retreats that we did together, or the the socialising we did together. So that's a primary one. The other the other uh, things that you uh, you can do that are quite easy and actually just common sense. Do do things that make you feel good, you know. And I'm not talking about make you feel good. For the night going out drinking or you know taking you know ecstasy or something like that. I'm talking really at soul level, make you feel good, and that's going to be a lot of it's going to be around food, right? around eating healthily, around eating you know, organic food, non processed foods, and just taking care of your body. You know, because if you if you take care of your body, then you feel better. You know, and, and taking care of your body that could also include doing things like yoga, uh, exercising if you're able to do that you know and, and doing these things regularly doing things that make you feel good um will ultimately allow you to sort of change you know support the the, um, the process of, of growth personal growth and so it you know it's not just taking care of the spiritual because we are three bodies we're mental emotional um physical and spiritual mental emotional being one body physical being another and spiritual being being the other one so you have to take care of all bodies, you can't just take care of the spiritual uh, through doing sort of plant medicines or, or different practices. Everything, you know, that expression, that, you know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. That's what, you know, plant medicines can be. They can be that first step on a, on a path of, of personal development. Um, and so you have to support yourself with other practices. You know, again, in massage, it's take a big one is taking walks in nature or engaging in nature, doing vision quests spending time in nature and actually bringing yourself back into balance with the natural world. And and a big part of the separation that I was talking about is actually separating ourselves from nature. You know, we've moved out of of, uh, the woods and the trees and the the grass and the plants and moved into concrete buildings. And so we've actually separated ourselves from the natural world. And it's in separating ourselves from the natural world, we separate ourselves from, from who we innately are, which is... Part of nature, we're we're animals, and we don't we believe that we're above animals. that is something to look out on vacation, or to you know to you know to look out over your shoulder as you're mountain biking you know, across a beautiful valley or or river. And so, getting back into nature, spending time hugging the earth, um, just that in itself is a beautiful uh, way to, to integrate with your true self, which is you know you know, as an animal, as a part of the great collective of nature and being supported by Mother Earth in that process and just the vibrations and the energy that come from that, you don't have to do anything else, you know, just have to, uh, lo- love, uh, love being an, anim- an animal on the earth and as you love being an, an- animal on the earth, you, you just realize you have to take more care of it and so that these are simple processes, writing, um, you know, keeping away from negative influences, you know, like alcohol or um, you know, horror films or you know, heavy metal music and things that are actually are quite jarring. You know, just to support your, your your practice, your growth by um, being mindful and caring and listening to things. Um, you know, keeping away from negative influences again, like uh, like the news. You know, the news that all these things that are very fear-based. It's really important to stay away from them to not. You know, that, I love that expression. That if you don't listen to the news, you're you're uninformed, and if you listen to the news, you're misinformed. Or well, if you're going to be uninformed or misinformed, then why, why bother listening to it? So, you know, keep it away from that stuff. It's very fear-based, and it's, you know, it's manipulative. So, uh, often, you know, it's like a, a magic pill. It's saying, you know, people are depressed or anxious. So, turn off the news, and you'll notice how things change in your life. Just you sort of, you know, uh, start to change your, your thinking patterns, your thought patterns. In your belief system. so there are some simple things that you
0: can do thanks for information on how to integrate better and I so I so loved uh being around nature living in Las Vegas um I didn't really have that much time except at the park but going to Heartwood and going to Pizza, where the trees are all over and the the beach it just it's just so uh, peaceful and so healing, and to write, it's, it's a beautiful practice. So I wanted to um, ask you, Alan, can you share a defining moment in your life when it all changed for you? What was your bottom and decisions that you made that changed the trajectory of your life?
1: Yeah, well, I, um, I guess the, my bottom was my 20s. My 20s and my, talking about the age of 15, um, in a lot of my twenties, I was very depressed. I was suicidally depressed. I had very, very, uh, very bad self-image. Um, not a lot of shame, personal shame. And so I was very depressed. I attempted suicide a couple of times. And um, then I, you know, sort of when I was about 27, I, I realized the light went on. That if I was doing things that were making me unhappy, then how about if I started doing things that made me happy? Uh, and I realized that that um, you know actions have consequences that if I do things that make me unhappy like drinking a lot and taking drugs then stop doing them. and so I uh, the light went on a little bit there and then I realized that actually that living in England in London wasn't wasn't good for me you know I was uh, very hard for me to get out of my depression so I decided to leave and I went traveling for 18 months around Asia and I went to you know the, country that probably had the biggest effect on me on that trip was Tibet back in the 80s. And it was still very much Tibetan. Um, and so I spent time time there and I was deeply influenced by those beautiful Tibetan people. Despite their harsh conditions, they were just the most loving, open-hearted people I'd ever met in my life. And so that, that was a great influence for me. And so I started the Buddhist practice. And I learned that um, very quickly, quickly, the central Buddhist teaching is that if there is suffering, there's also a way to lead from suffering, and that way to lead from suffering is by the practice of wisdom and compassion. And so I started to practice uh, or live a life that was actually very compassionate, and that's when I started doing uh, volunteer work when I came to the U.S. In 1990, I started doing uh, food delivery for Project Open Hand in the Bay Area, and also started doing hospice work. Because um, it's at the height of the age epidemic when I arrived and a lot of my friends were gay and they were dying and I wanted to be of service to them. And I started doing hospice work and I found that in practicing compassion for others, I was also practicing compassion for myself. And so um, I realized that that was a really important part. And I started to really feel that I wasn't uh, in that same state, mental state of depression and I actually haven't been depressed for 30 years and that, that was the primary shift for me it's actually being compassionate to other people and, uh, and I've got many other stories following on from that but that, that was actually my initiation into the, the life without depression it was a beautiful thing and something I I've helped many people uh, to deal with over the years when I decided that I needed to be more active and proactive in helping people as I became a healer
0: Thank you for sharing that, Alan. I really appreciate it. And um, I wanted to ask, how can people contact you? And do you have any workshops coming up soon that people can uh, participate in? Yeah. um,
1: Well, you can contact me, uh, my primary website for my healing center up in Mount Shasta. I just want to mention Mount Shasta, give a plug to Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta is considered the root chakra of the earth. It's a very powerful place. People come here from all over the the world actually. uh, People come from Asia, South America, uh, because they want to absorb the energies of this this sacred place, this very powerful vortex. And so I I opened a a retreat center up here because I knew that it would be uh, much more effective for people in the long term to be immersed in this beautiful and powerful nature. Here and so, uh, my primary website for that uh, practice and the retreat center is sacredvalleyhealingcenter.com. Sacred Valley Healing Center, all one word, dot com. And my personal healing practice is spiritwisdomhealing.com. Spiritwisdomhealing.com. And um, so, yeah, they are the primary ways. And in terms of what I have coming up. A lot of the things I do are actually personal, couple, and group retreats, and they can often, they're often um, created, you know, as, a, as a something that you can do personally, that you can call me up and we'll do custom made retreats for you. So I do those throughout the year. They're kind of my bread and butter, my, me and Nicole, my healing partner. And so we, yeah, we do a lot of what call VIP personal retreats. You can read all about that on the Sacred Valley Healing Center website. We also do group retreats. We do um, breath work, what we called freedom breath work and yin yoga retreats. Nicole is a very, very experienced yoga teacher and also a breath work practitioner. And so we combine our breath work practices and we do what we called freedom breath work and yin yoga retreats. And so they, we do, we're going to start doing them about every two or three months um, at the Sacred Valley, but also be taking them on the road. And so you can read about that on our website under events. And um, I also teach Reiki, so I do Reiki uh, 1 and 2 retreats, and Reiki 3 and 4 retreats, and we, they're ongoing. Again, you can meet them, they, you know, the dates of those are on our website. Um, but yeah, you can just contact us, and, and we you know, we can organise a personal retreat for you. If you want to come with some friends, we can organise you know, a retreat for your friends. We do have um, a variety of events, and we actually haven't scheduled 2019 yet doing that in the next sort of uh, few days yeah, just go on our website or just reach out to us and we'll, we'll put you on our mailing list and you're welcome to call and discuss or have a, a free consultation about your issue if you want to learn about shamanism I do classes on that I, I do something called shamanistic reiki something that I've created myself using different shamanic practices and visualisation techniques with reiki to actually you know, add a whole different depth to your healing practice it's kind of a bit like a shamanic apprenticeship so yeah sort of feel free to reach out and contact me I'd be happy to send you information or, or speak to you about what your desires are
0: or reach out to me and i'll put you in contact with alan that's so great i'm so excited for you are you going to costa rica
1: i decided not to go to costa rica because um i'm actually going to peru again in april and um i need to, need to save my money but also I, uh, Costa Rica is more about group work and I really do a lot of group work. I've been doing group work for years so uh, that that i feel you that know, my money and time is spent somewhere else and you know, I'm not to go. How about you?
0: You go? Yeah, I'm going to do level 5 and I'm um, hoping to assist for level 3 and 4 so I'm so excited Fantastic, yeah. to experience the jungle yeah, life. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, I won't, I won't see you then. Maybe I'll see you in Las Vegas or Mount Shasta. Yeah, maybe we can
0: collaborate because I did miss out on seeing Mount Shasta, but Heartwood was beautiful. Um, I yeah. wanted to ask you, what is your last piece of wisdom or advice to give to anyone listening that you find the most valuable and that you follow in your life right now?
1: Um, what, I, what I follow is we've spoken to it about learning to love yourself, learning to love that wounded child inside yourself that just is really aching to be seen, to be heard, just to pull, pull them out of the shadow, that little child that maybe doesn't feel that the world is safe or that they're alive or that you're good enough, you know, just go in there, because the only person that can really love that child in a way that, or that part of yourself in a way that it needs to be loved is yourself, so just spend some time looking at that, finding it and holding it and hugging it and telling them that you love it, and that's the most transformative work that you'll be able to do for yourself.
0: Last question, like what you just said about loving the inner child, how do people who have never gone into one of our retreats or have gone into the spiritual journey, how do they know that that's what it is that is that void in their heart? What is the clue?
1: Um, well, just the, the main thing is what, what are your core limiting beliefs? What is, what is it that's holding you back in your life? Is it lack of confidence? Is mm-hmm. it believing in yourself is that, that you don't feel safe in the world you know, look, look at what your core beliefs is what are your what is your greatest fear you know so make a list of what your greatest fears are and what is what is behind those fears like you're afraid of snakes you know why would you be afraid of snakes living in the city you know are you afraid of public um, speaking you're afraid of being seen why are you afraid of being seen you know why are you afraid of being uh, you know a leader? What is this preventing you from actually stepping out, and and then seeing what's behind that? Where did it come from? Did it come from, you know, some traumas that you had in your childhood? Did it come from you know, maybe one of your parents telling you that you'd never be anything, that you'd never be anybody? Was it from, uh, you know, some abuse that you experienced in your life—sexual abuse or physical abuse? Look at what those causes are, and, and just go in to see that child that was that didn't feel safe, didn't feel loved. And hold, hold that child. Look at them as, as though they were there. Look them in the eyes. And um, just tell, tell them that you love them, that you're there for them. And that you're, you're not the same person as, as you were when you were two or three or five or however old they are. You're actually a lot much more capable, but you're a lot wiser. You're a lot stronger. And as you learn to love that part of yourself, you recognize that's where the real beauty is. I know one of the beautiful expressions that Shana or Dana gave, I forget which one, at the end of every dark tunnel is a diamond and that's true at the end of every uh, tunnel which is that shadow part of yourself is your power is your truth is your strength and so as you learn to love that part of yourself it comes out into the light and although that, that voice of not being good enough still might be talking to you um it's just not the dominant voice it's just there go yeah 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 okay i'm not good enough yeah it's not gonna stop me doing what i want to do and then you start to Really uh, understand that you are good enough, and then that voice becomes quieter and quieter until it goes away. But you can only do that by loving that loving that part of yourself that you felt shame about, that you felt um, you know powerless to keep quiet.
0: Beautiful said. Thank you so much, Alan. I love you for always supporting me and giving me love. I so appreciate you and. Um, I look forward to hopefully collaborating with you next year with breath work, and maybe go to Mount Shasta with in your retreat center.
1: Come on up, love to see you up here. So lots of love. Thanks for doing this great work.
0: Thank you so much. Love you. Bye.